Every superhero has an origin story. And as the superheroes of the membership industry, your friendly neighborhood membership guys are no different. But while we weren't bitten by a radioactive spider, and I'm pretty sure that Callie wasn't found draped in a cloak in the middle of a field somewhere, we still do have a story to tell. And as this is the 300th episode of the Membership Guys podcast, what better time to tell it. So today I'm joined by Callie Willows, the other half of the Membership Guys, to share our origin story. And we're going to get into it in just a sec. You're listening to the Membership Guys podcast, bringing you proven practical tips and advice from the leading experts on growing a successful membership business each and every week. And now, here's your host, Mike Morrison. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is episode 300 of the Membership Guys podcast. How in the world have I been doing this for 300 episodes? That's a long time. That's a lot of my voice. Congratulations if you were persevered with us for all 300 episodes. Uh, if you're a long-time listener, you know I love and appreciate you and all the time that you spent supporting the show, listening to the show. If you've just found the podcast, you picked a doozy of an episode to start listening to us. You're going to want to make sure you, that you hit the subscribe button on your podcast app to ensure that you do not miss a single weekly dose of membership advice. Today, though, it's a very, very special episode. It's our Milestone 300th episode. And of course, we could not celebrate this milestone without bringing in the other half, many would say the better half of the membership guys, the one and only Miss Callie Willows. Callie Willows, welcome to the show once again. Hello. It's good to be here. It's nice to see you. I haven't seen you for so long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not like I'm just like interviewing a random guest here. It's like, yeah, great to see you. It'd be nice to chat to you again. Ten minutes since we were yeah. in the kitchen together. Literally the only person either of us have talked to for the last year or so of this lockdown. So yeah, let's talk some more. <laughs> but today um, it's going to be a conversation that we've not actually had here on the Membership Guys podcast or indeed really anywhere within the membership guys content within the academy and that that is our origin story now we've kind of shared the almost the abridged business origin story in some ways yeah. um we talked before about the fact that um, we were both doing our own thing in business, then we started working together. Then with the agency that we ran, we became more specialist on memberships and then we started the academy. And, and we've told the story of that launch and we told kind of that abridged business journey, but we've never really touched on the personal side of things. We've never really been people who who share lots of details about their personal lives as part of our marketing. No, we're very British, I think. We, we, we tend to focus on the, the, the content, on the, the stuff that's helpful to other people and not necessarily talking about our day-to-day our yeah. Existent. I think some of it as well in the online business space, you do see a lot of people use elements of their personal life in quite a manipulative way. Yeah. Um, you know, they they provide real big, long emotional backstories to sell the most innocuous of, of products. And I, I think as is often the case with some of the worst things in the online business space, we steer quite far in the opposite direction. However, there's definitely aspects of our journey that 
really are fundamental to why we are here and what we do and why we do it the way we do it. And also a lot that I think kind of mirrors what a lot of people in our audience, a lot of people in our communities have been through too. And some of the things um, that uh, have happened along the way with us, they are real challenges that people who are listening might be facing right now and might be thinking this is insurmountable or this is this is a reason not to do something. This is a reason not to put time into um, starting a membership or this is something that's causing me to maybe think I don't want to do any of this anymore. So I think it's an important, it's important for us to share aspects of our backstory, but even just from a, I suppose, an entertainment or an interest or a curiosity point of view, um, I, we figured this would make for a good 300th episode as a, a special kind of one-off episode yeah. and i think we've definitely never sat down and discussed it together no. publicly before i think we've both said shared bits of our story maybe individually but yeah sitting down and actually discussing it as a whole is yeah. isn't something we've yeah done. we're quite we are quite like you said we're quite british we're quite private yeah. um <laughs> you know stiff up my lip and all of that um so i suppose we kind of have to go back to when we met and how we met. And we've got to preface this. Some people ask this because, you know, it's Mike Morrison, Callie Willows. There is no shared name. And so when people know we're partners, it's kind of like, are you partners or are you partner partners? Like we are a couple. We are together. Um, we're not married. No, he won't put a ring on it. No. <laughs> <laughs> um so oh man this has turned into a very different podcast um but no we we met in 2011 yes yeah you yeah. you yeah you're you're i thought i was going to be the one getting that wrong and you're looking at me like 2011 is that right no i was trying to remember because i i moved to somerset january 2011 and i think yeah. we started talking february 2011 so. yeah so so we can we met in 2011 um so we've just celebrated the, the our 10th anniversary woohoo Woo so that's a double milestone double reason <laughs> to be talking about this um so i'd i'd kind of just fairly recently come out of um i was gonna say come out of a relationship i was married so you know i think just i'd come out with like a casual relationship like i was i'd been married i was kind of going through a divorce um had started my business um left my my partner at the time and moved house and i, I was you know living with family uh, as i was kind of trying to get everything um together and back on stable footing and you'd kind of just you'd just come out of a business partnership right yeah so my my whole background's a little a little tricky to explain but at that <laughs> point i had moved to somerset from surrey just come out of a, a difficult business relationship i had an entirely different business i worked in natural health and nutrition um, so we're seeing clients, had an online e-commerce store. But yeah, I just moved to Somerset, was living in this little converted garage um, <laughs> in the middle of the country because it was the only thing I could afford. And I just wanted this little space that was mine. Um, and yeah, so I just moved to Somerset and was, yeah, essentially I'd been self-employed for ooh, six years already. But as I said, some of that was in a partnership. So this was my first time kind of in a long time being just on my own. And of course, having having like secured that little place of your own, that space for just you, along comes Mike and just <laughs> interrupts all of it. So it was, well, it, was a, it was a month or so after you'd, you'd moved that we first um, started talking. 
Yeah, I, I slid into Mike's DMs. Yeah, so, okay, <laughs> let's let's roll that back a bit. So we, um, we met technically, <laughs> this sounds like it's made up, but we met via an online membership. Uh, it's an online community that was kind of centered around business networking events. So it was, we were both members. It was this network where... Uh, if you were in in Newcastle, which is where I was, and you happened to be in, in Manchester, you could turn up at a networking meeting there. You could go to networking meetings anywhere you wanted around the country. Most networking, uh, like if you think of organizations like BNI, which um, a lot of people listening will probably be most familiar with, um, usually you have a, a local meeting that you're allowed to attend. This membership, you could go all over the place. And we were both members, just at opposite ends of, of the country. And so for anyone who's not familiar with these kind of network meetings, you basically get 20 or so people in a, a dusty hotel um, meeting room at crazy hours of the morning, although this one was a little more, this was like 8 a.m. Did the meeting start yeah, this 8 one? Yeah. yeah, so, um, but some of these meetings, organizations you go to, you know, you're starting at like five in the morning. Um, you go around the table, everyone says what they does, give an elevator pitch, business cards get exchanged, and you hope you're going to get some clients out of it. And for both of us in our respective things we were doing, that was the way that we we got business. Right, that was how we marketed our respective businesses. It was, you know, shaking hands, eating terrible breakfasts, swapping business cards, and the word of mouth and and stuff that came out of out of doing that. Um, so, because this this membership, which yeah, we met in a membership site. Yeah, because this this membership did mean that you could network anywhere you went. They had a massive online element to it as well, so um, which kind of held it all together. And it was through that online community that we initially connected. Yeah, and it was quite funny because I was quite new to the network. I'd been I'd been around a few months, um, but Mike or Mimo, as he was known by everybody, and it still makes me sad that people don't call you. Mimo people don't anymore. call me Mimo, but in um, fairness, I don't I, I don't encourage people yeah. to call me Mimo. I have to, I have to remember on all all our member calls not to refer to you as Mimo. Yeah. It's Literally day to day, to day like Callie doesn't call me Mike. I don't call myself Mike. It's it's Mimo. So yeah. you know, and and that was your original business name as well. Yeah, with Mimo then. Media. So so yeah, so Mike was prolific on the forums. They're really well known. You were kind of an area leader at that point. I yeah, think, I can, yeah, I ran. So I was actually groups. a little bit intimidated and scared of you because you were kind of like one of the cool gang. You were one of the <laughs> the, the in crowd that kind of just like I was quite everything. and I was quite boisterous. You were, on, in, you were with my online presence and the way in which I interacted with you, people. You don't suffer fools gladly at the <laughs> best of times, and yeah, that was that was kind of your element. So I was a little bit little bit kind of intimidated by you, but I remember going back and one of the posts where it was like, who are the 10 foreigners that you want to want to meet? And you were, you were on my list there. Although I did think you were really short. Everyone um. thinks I'm short. You know why? Because, because I'm so vain that whenever I take a selfie, I do the thing and 
admit it if you're listening you probably do this as well you hold the phone up in the sky to get the best possible <laughs> downwards angle but that does make you that does short. make me look like i'm just a very short person where he's uh, actually six foot two everybody yes. so definitely not short but yeah so so i knew you from the forum and things and it was one of those things where you end up following each other on social media because you connect with everybody in there and at that time twitter was my jam i was kind of always on twitter everyone was um, on twitter back yeah, then this back was like then. 2010 2011 yeah so 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 Twitter and I remember like our very first actual you and me discussion was Valentine's Day yeah. 2011. You put out a funny tweet about, I think, a, a social group you were going to or something or, or a girl you had a crush on. And I kind of was quite sarcastic yes. in my reply she to mocked, this. <laughs> she, she mocked me in my, um, in my hour of pain on Valentine's Day because I was going out with a group of friends Um one of the girls, other thing I had a little bit of a crush on, it was never, ever going to go anywhere. And I was doing that self-pitying tweet about, okay, now to spend an entire evening in lovesick puppy mode. And Callie, kind, considerate Callie, mocked me relentlessly on Twitter. Yeah. Um, alcohol may have been involved, on that, <laughs> but I can't remember because I'm normally quite a nice person. Mm. Um, but yeah, and then I remember kind of sliding into your DMs to apologise yeah. <laughs> and just make sure that hadn't really hurt your feelings. Um, and then I think we ended up just chatting over DM all night. Yeah, yeah, it did. Um, and it kind of it sort of moved from there. Um, so at the same time, this membership organisation we were part of like again i was kind of i was involved with it in that i was kind of running a, an area of meetings um so that meant like yeah i was overseeing like half a dozen of the the local meetings that they had and through that um you know i, I got to know kind of the leadership of the organization the the, the management team and we just around about that time embar- i was i was traveling down with their headquarters because they wanted to work with me to uh, improve their online presence, to actually help their membership. And it just so happened that their headquarters was the same place, roughly, as Cali had moved to. So again, with this network, generally, uh, one of the great things about it was if you traveled around, you could just pop up at any any of these business meetings, these network meetings that were going on. So anytime you went to another part of the country on business, you would make time to go to uh, a meeting that was on um, in that that city. So I was going down to this, this organization's headquarters to discuss working with them. And therefore I popped along to some of their local meetings Obviously, I knew Callie was there because she'd been bullying me on Twitter. So <laughs> That's unfair. We've been talking like daily. Since yeah, then. yeah. She'd been bullying me daily. Um, so obviously, you know, I made a beeline to the meetings that she was at and that that would happen. I would be going down to, to Somerset, which is where um, both Callie and this company were based. Every time I was down there, um, you know, we'd spend some time together and it's kind of snowballed from there. Like, very very fast um we got i'll say we i need to cover this in a bit um i also around the same time um went into business so a business partnership with someone else who uh, i won't name 
nice guy, still friends, not going to name him. Um, so we'll call him Bob, <laughs> which is definitely not his name. Um, so me and Bob had started a company together connected to the work that we're going to start with this this networking organization on helping them completely revamp their membership platform and um yeah so we'd started that company together and we got the job so that meant i'd be traveling down from newcastle which is in the northeast to somerset which is in the southwest very very regularly and it was suggested to us Oh, it was hinted to us repeatedly by one of the directors. Um, I'm looking at Callie and think it's not the one that you think, it's the other one. Because <laughs> she, she's giving me a quizzical look. It's really hard not naming names. Um, it was hinted at that it would all be just so much easier if I was in the Southwest. At the same time, our relationship was moving like really quickly. And yeah, it was what, three, four months after we'd first three kind months, of... yeah. Yeah, three three months after we'd first um connected that uh we decided i was moving down yeah i, I like how i've always just thought it was like oh because you just couldn't, don't, couldn't no, be no, away no. from me but don't. then it's like oh no it was a business decision <laughs> no no you know that there was the business element in because one of the rules for me moving down was i was not allowed to work from home yes this is very true because as i said i i lived in a double converted garage essentially yeah. it was tiny so it was quite um, a, a well-to-do family yeah. you couldn't even fit a double bed in there that's yeah. how small it, it was it was it was basically a well-to-do family they had a triple garage on their premises they converted two two-thirds of of it into a, t- a tiny little apartment kind of apartment for, for their son who was now moving away and perfect little ball hole for one person not so much for two people one of whom is is a large individual who bangs their heads on door frames and stuff and a large cat and a well. large cat he wasn't so large back then no. um so but you know we we figured we can make it work one of the rules was I wasn't allowed to work from home, so I took out an office um, elsewhere in Somerset without realising it was a 90-minute round trip for me. But we did that initially. Um, uh, that didn't last, though. <laughs> I, started, I started working from home a little bit more. Um, but, yeah, we were just in this tiny little hobbit hole um, with gaps between the, yeah, the bathroom walls. Door didn't bathroom close. door didn't close. The, the, the floor... The floor didn't in some in one uh, one half of it. The floor didn't quite meet the bottom of the wall, so we had like a a good two centimeter just gap. Um, and then we had an entire winter with no hot water, no hot water, heating. no heating. Like this, and this was. It sounds terrible, but we stayed there for two and a half years. It was it was really it was really cool. It was like it was it was fun. It was basically like camping. It was like <laughs> it was like glamping. <laughs> <laughs> and both of us were quite skint at the time it has to be yeah. said skint is skint a word that our yeah. audience will understand we is weren't making US? a lot of money at no, the time we weren't because as we said i i'd come out of a i'd come out of a relationship i was getting divorced um and starting a business again so i'd kind of i'd been i'd gone back into employment and then left um again and was kind of starting from from nothing um had the misfortune of getting kind of shafted by a, a few of my first clients, which didn't get my my business off to the best kind of start. Again, you were coming out of a, a partnership where, you know, let's be let's be frank, you won't say this, but I will, but she was 
screwing you over yeah. financially, um, which was a big part of the reason you left it. But that also meant you were starting with, with kind of nothing. And we were sort of, we were getting by on like a handful of clients each. So, and, and living, yeah, living in a very tight, cramped um, space, albeit I had an office, which again, you know, that was quite a lot of added expense for the business at the time. It was part of the reason why we we moved away from, from that arrangement and we both just started working from respective sofas <laughs> six inches away from each other. Um, so we're living in Somerset. We're running our respective businesses. We're living together. And then the wheel started coming off a little bit. Yeah, and I think it, it started falling apart for me first because as I said, I had a very different business. I had a a health and nutrition business. I was going out networking four or five times a day in the morning. I was then seeing clients in the afternoon. It was very much a a time for money situation, but I did have an e-commerce online store as well, which kind of was a little bit of a backup to that. But even with the e-commerce store, a lot of that, that you you were still having to go out and physically hustle for clients and you said it's four or five times a week every morning yeah at these meetings that start the start at eight but you've kind of got to be there around about 7 27 30 it takes an hour to get there so that's 6 30 that you're setting off so you, you're getting up at half five in the morning to get ready and get prepared to go out there every single day yeah it was a lot and, and that's a lot for anyone and you add into that the fact that i have Oh, had severe health issues and had since I was 15. And, and so I was not in good physical shape from all of this. I was exhausted. My health was suffering. I was getting regular blood transfusions. There was talk about going on dialysis. I was, I was really not in a, in a good way health wise. And it got to that point where I, I remember just sitting about one o'clock in the morning on the sofa crying and you essentially saying to me, this is killing you you don't even enjoy it anymore because yeah. because of how it's making you feel. So maybe it's time to to look at doing something else. Yeah. And, and kind of we, I think we spoke most of the night and, and you were saying, you know, you're really good at the tech stuff, the marketing stuff. You already have people in like other health practitioners and stuff asking you to help them with this. So yeah. actually, why don't you look at doing that? Yeah. Because at the time I'd always done my own websites, my own marketing, blogging and things like that. And I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And there was that, it's a thing, the health side of things. And, you know, we're not going to, you know, run through an entire medical history, but these are things that most people would struggle with without that crazy, crazy level of of activity you were having to put yourself through every single day. I mean, the whole reason I was self-employed in the first place and had been since I was 19 was because I was unemployable. (laughs) (laughs) So because of my health situation. So yeah, so it was a lot. And and looking back, I'm surprised I managed to do it as long as I did in the way that I did. Yeah. Like the amount of being just essentially being on the road, the amount of just being on all the time. And it's you know, it, it, it exhausts most people doing that. Like generally at the most within this networking um, situation, people will go to like three events a week and that would that would be taxing enough because remember you're doing this in addition to running the business. You were having to go, you were going every single day and driving around 
And driving is not my friend. Drive, yeah, and driving causes you stress and anxiety anyway. But you were driving around all the Southwest after these meetings to see clients. You were running yourself into the ground yeah. physically. Yeah, it was it was not a good situation. No. And at the same time, while I'm like wasn't I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to five networking <laughs> things a, a week. I was crazy. I would go to three of them, um, and I would usually you know just disappear off back home while you went off to see clients. Um, so you were running yourself down physically. I was running myself down mentally because this business partnership with me and Bob um, didn't quite go to plan. So the idea is we essentially, it was, it was a partnership. It was a web, a web design marketing agency. And the situation was, Bob wasn't really a, he wasn't a designer, wasn't a developer, wasn't really a marketer. He didn't have, he didn't have the, the skill set for the things we were selling, but he's made a decent kind of, he built a decent business from um, just his ability to go out there and network and to land clients. And also, you know, he then just outsourced the work to other people. So I'd been one of the people that he'd outsourced some of the work to on the tech side and some of the marketing and strategy side as well. And it got to a point we were doing so much together that it just made sense to go into business. We liked each other. We got on well. We still, I mean, we've not spoken for a long time, but we could still, like, there's no hard feelings even after the way everything sort of played out. Um, well, there's maybe a little residual annoyance, but, you know, this happens. Um, but he, like, nothing that he brought the table, could, like, contributed to what we were selling right so the plan was initially because i i do have um both the experience the the knowledge on the marketing the strategy side but also um the the added bonus although it can be a double-edged sword of the fact that i'm also a pretty good web developer right that was a thing most people don't have their skill set so the plan was temporarily short term Bob would bring in the clients, I would fulfill the project, and we do that for a very short period of time, for like the first like month or so, while we found our feet, and Bob, in the meantime, while I was doing the actual work, he would handle recruitment. So that the plan was after a few months, me and him run the show, and we built out this great team of developers, marketers, and all that sort of stuff that can fulfill the the client load that we bring in. Because Bob was great at getting clients, but I was good at getting clients as well. Um, that didn't quite go to plan. So <laughs> six months in, well, actually longer than six months in, I was still doing the work. In fact, I was doing like more of the work that was reasonable for anyone to expect anyone to do. We hadn't recruited anyone. We hadn't, there was all these people that Bob used to outsource stuff to, for some reason we couldn't outsource to them anymore. So I was literally the only person in the business who could satisfy the projects we were bringing in. In the meantime, Bob's doing nothing on the recruitment front. He's playing golf every afternoon. He's been taken out for lunches, for dinners. He's, you know, shaking hands and really enjoying the perks of the business as a 50-50 partner while I'm sat in our little garage, um, 
working myself crazy in building websites. Because this is, when I say about the fact that I'm, I'm a good web developer, it's a double-edged sword because web development's easy to sell. It's a little harder to convince someone that, you know, they will benefit from having someone to map out the strategy for them and to work with them on the higher level stuff. Um, web development's more of a commodity. It's easy to sell. And so it's a blessing because it's a great skill set to have, but it's a curse in that sort of situation because Bob was just going out and he was exclusively bringing in web development projects, coding projects. Um, he wasn't even bringing in design stuff. He was giving design work to someone else. And at least design stuff's fun and breaks up the monotony. So I was just, I, I was basically a glorified code monkey for my own business while there was zero effort being put into actually, you know, bringing in other people to do that work. Um, and there was a lot of times where you were you were coming to bed at 3 a.m. and then getting up with me at 6 a.m. and you were just not happy. You no. were you were running your, you were burning out. I was doing 20 yeah, I was doing 20 hour days and this is like you know this sometimes you've got to hustle sometimes every now and then there's crunch time but this was crunch time every, every day. day with zero support or even intention to, you know, contribute anything <laughs> coming from my business partner and it was getting worse and worse and worse the deadlines were ridiculous because he would go in to a company he would agree to a million different things he, he would then not do a very good job of telling me what they what he'd actually agreed i do all the work and then the client wouldn't be happy because 20 or 30 things they asked for weren't done because it was never communicated. So I then got to do them in a rush. We ended up making very little money from them because, again, he wasn't very good at nailing down the specifics. He just enjoyed playing golf and going for dinners and this and the other. So this wasn't a healthy situation, both both for the physical burnout, but the mental, the mental strain of knowing that this situation was what it was, that it wasn't getting any better, of just not having the ability to crawl out from under it and this is happening at the same time you're physically running yourself into the ground i'm mentally running myself into the ground and you know i, I uh, struggle a lot with um depression in my 20s not something i ever really talk about with with anyone um but i struggle a lot like it, it basically chewed up a lot of a lot of my 20s and I'd only really kind of come out from under that cloud a few years before before we met. And with what was going on with our business partnership, like I was spiraling. I was spiraling back into that uh, into that place. Yeah, you definitely were. And it was it was difficult to watch and to kind of try and pull you out of that as yeah. well. But at the same time, you know, it, it wasn't kind of, you know, one person where everything's going rosy and you know they can they can be the rock and they can be the strength of the relationship like we were both in in free fall in in kind of different ways yeah. um so you know you were like you were a little more mentally safeguarded at the time kind of than than i was but you know physically like yeah you know, you have to fit in, fit in trying to keep me, keep my head above water in between, you know, hospital appointments for blood transfusions because your body's literally crying out saying, stop, stop doing everything you're doing. Um, and I can't remember what it was that caused us, what it, what was it that 
that gave us that kick up the butt that forced the change. It was me first because it was very much, as I said before, just that middle of the night conversation with you where you were just like, something's got to change. You can't keep doing this. And actually two days after that, I'd started a new business um digital dog's body which is still one of my favorite business names it's just a cool um, name digital dog's body yeah so i still kind of had the online side of my health business I, hold on I, I quite i got out of the fact like i was literally like the worst the the worst thing for me at the time was feeling like i was i was basically a dog's body in my business and you're like ooh. I quite like being a dog's body. (laughs) Yeah. So I, as part of kind of just before this, I already had an online membership as part of my natural health business. I'd already kind of set up a training site as part of that. I had a subscription box as part of my e-commerce site. So I already kind of loved recurring revenue and the idea of memberships. And so when I started Digital Dog's Body, actually it was night and day over the health business in terms of I had clients straight away, word of mouth brought people to me straight away because a lot of people in the health and fitness industry, memberships were just starting to become more of a a known thing at the time. So I had a lot of people coming to me, asking me to do like set things up for them and things like that. So Digital Dog's Body for me took off uh, very quickly. It wasn't initially membership focused. It was focused on helping people with WordPress sites, Kindle, things like that. Because the thing is back then, most like virtual assistants weren't particularly techie inclined these days i think it, it's almost swung the other way yeah you almost if you're a virtual assistant the expectation is almost that you've got a, a good amount of tech experience yeah. back then that wasn't the case yeah, virtual assistants back then not. it was pure admin right it wasn't you know you need to know your way around wordpress you need to know how to install plugins you need to know css like so the idea with digital dog's body if i remember was that you were kind of that middle point between uh, a general va and an expensive experienced web developer yeah yeah so it was very much focusing on on both the technical side of getting people's websites membership sites and things up and running and then also helping with the marketing side in terms of ongoing blogs social media and things like that yeah and i think the thing for me that that kind of snapped me out of uh, of what I was you know going through at that time was seeing just how quickly things changed with you because yeah. that gave me a reminder reminded it was that kind of thing of uh, we put a big premium on feeling fulfilled in what you do um and I think a lot of that fulfillment comes from being appreciated and knowing that you are working to your potential, right? And so a big part of the mental toll on me was was having neither of those boxes ticked. But when I think seeing you so quickly kind of turn things around and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, what, you mean... You mean we can just do that? We can just change what we do? We can we can just like... Yeah, and I think so much of it for both of us, but for you in particular, was concern about what other people would think. Yeah. So I remember actually for when I started Digital Blogs Buddy thinking, well, what will all these people... They'll think I failed. Yeah. Like I'm doing this because I failed. And actually that wasn't really... Nobody said that to my face anyway. And if they did at that point, I didn't care because I was so much happier and it was all... I was earning more money. I was more fulfilled. I wasn't working crazy hours and things like that. And I think for you, I remember having that discussion with you where you were saying, I don't want to do this anymore. But 
if I walk away from this, then it's something else that I've walked away from. Yeah. And not wanting to let people down and not knowing and, how to handle that transition and things. And, and, and yeah, and, and kind of having to reach that point where your health, your happiness and things was more important than what people would think or how yeah. it would impact other people. Totally, because there's, it, for me, there was a chain of things because I'd, I'd gone into self-employment um, for the very first time in kind of 2006-ish, I think, uh, almost by accident, uh, 2006, 2007, kind of by accident because these side projects um, that, that I was doing in addition to... Um, to, to going back to university. So I'd gone back to university re- really as kind of the the path of least resistance as I was trying to kind of climb out of depression because I was in a place where like I had to do something, I had to go back to work or I had to change something. This is just the, it's so bad to say, but I was like, okay, well, I'll just re-enroll in university and I'll pick the most interesting sounding course because that didn't feel like I was having to get back to the real world too quickly. But I'd gone back to uni. I'd start doing some stuff on the side in terms of like online business, which turned into more of a business, which meant that I walked away from uni. So there you go. I'd gone back to university because I'd left when I was 18. I then go back to university. I walk away from that. I'm in self-employment. Um, goes well for a bit but I've never really take it seriously enough and so I walk away from that and go back into employment that lasts about 10 months before I get the itch to to go into business for myself again so I walk away from that leave my wife leave my home so I, it's just this chain of just walking away from stuff and feeling like okay well, this didn't work this didn't work this didn't work this didn't work um Great new business partnership with with Bob. So much pinned on it. I mean, again, that was the catalyst for so many things. Um, uh, okay, so is this another thing I've got to walk away from? What's that going to look like? What are people going to think? Because every time, like with that, I made such a big deal out of going into this partnership. Um, I remember when I'd gone from that first year or so of being self-employed into um, going back into employment, I made a big deal of it. Like I remember on social media, like framing it as like my business is becoming part of this other company. It wasn't, it wasn't a merge, it wasn't a takeover. It was just trying to style it out. And so that concern about perception and what will people think of me personally? What will, what will be the knock-on effect to the, my business if people don't feel I'm reliable? Um, how do I have this conversation with Bob basically without turning into an argument where I'm like, dude, you've listened, you've literally done nothing for eight months and, but took half my money from it, but also fear because it's like, okay, well, if this also hasn't worked, what the hell am I meant to do? And this is well, and seeing you climb back, not even climb out of it, but almost instantaneously just decide I'm going to do this. Um, this is what it's going to look like. Here's the website, here's the logo. And it's just action, action, action on the right track. All of a sudden, <laughs> no more like weekly blood transfusions, no more collapsing and exhaustion, no more like incredible levels of physical and mental stress. Hang on. That's actually an option. That's actually a choice. That's actually possible. And so 
even though I didn't want to just be a code person, a web developer, it was like, if I'm going to have to do that anyway, I remember kind of saying, let's, I could, I could just go on to like Upwork and take low paying tasks, quick little low paying tasks, make the same amount of money and be happier. Like I could do what for a web developer is, is kind of like the, the bottom end of the industry. I could do the bare minimum. I could do the, the, the most grunty grunt work kind of thing in my business, in my industry and be happier and not be run down. So why the hell am I allowing myself to, to be in this place when almost the the other worst case scenario for someone entering this world would be so much better than where I am now. And that's like, at the very least, I could do that. And I didn't think I snapped into that line of thinking until seeing you turn things around as uh, as quick. And it wasn't that long after you'd kind of made that change that I had that conversation with Bob and cut ties and kind of went into a little bit of a no man's land in terms of what my what my business was but i i was almost like i just became kind of freelance again really yeah. floating around and i think uh, for me from from the outside like a big part of why i got digital dogs body up and running so quickly and it and it was successful the way it was was because you know, we literally put a flip chart up in our living room. You walked it all through with me. You helped me plan it out. You kind of helped me create the logo and and all of that kind of thing. And and kind of actually seeing you do that more actual strategy business side rather than just coding. Yeah. Like you came alive again at that point. Yeah. And I I think that some of that as well was just that kind of working more in your wheelhouse, more in yeah. what you enjoyed actually reminding you that this there's a lot of other stuff you can do. You've got yeah. a lot of things that you can help people with and give value. Yeah, just being, uh, yeah, uh, allowed to be in a situation which had started to become alien where I could I could do my thing as opposed yeah. to, yeah, you know, what I'd been, what I'd been doing for 18, 20 hours a day, day after day, weekends as well. Ah, yeah, so that wasn't a fun period, but we, we made those changes and it's funny that um i know you kind of with digital dogs body um that that led into the membership stuff for you in particular my my direction was moving away from from even online business my direction was going more towards broader marketing and broader business strategy um i'd been writing a book on marketing i'd been essentially um I, i was becoming a essentially a business and marketing consultant i'm just remembering more than marketing yeah exactly more you, than marketing i just literally just remembered more than marketing, marketing moans Ma- and- yeah yeah <laughs> so uh, you know I, i'd started podcasting so i'd started a podcast which did very well at the time um considering it was 20 2011 2012, 2012 yeah. um and podcasting wasn't as huge as it is now um so i had marketing buzz remember marketing buzz was yeah. the podcast the blog um i'd written a book bootstrap marketing i was essentially this was all kind of moving towards again a kind of an agency so the angle it was it was called more than marketing which was kind of this is a, a i hate using this word but a holistic marketing approach so the recognition that marketing isn't just the tactics it's not just 
just the stuff people usually associate with marketing. It runs through so many aspects, so many facets of your business. And so that was the direction I was going. I was I was moving completely away from that um, side where it was online business and where it was, you know, um, uh, essentially where you were moving into with Digital Dog's Body, which then Digital Dog's Body then inspired for you Membership Sensei. Membership Sensei. <laughs> Tony the Tiger is my logo. Yeah. Um, so you fell in love with the membership yeah, world. Yeah, and I'd, I'd been interested in recurring revenue since I had the health business. I'd already tried an online membership, a subscription box, and while neither of them kind of set the world alight, they kind of... They did well enough. Yeah, they they for a while were bringing in the bulk of my, my income when I wasn't able to see clients that much. And... I just had that fascination with the the models. And when I moved into Digital Dogs Buddy, because I had those links in the health and fitness world from my previous business, a lot of the initial clients I had were people wanting to set up online the online side of their business, memberships and things like that. So I got more and more entrenched in learning everything I could about memberships and testing and, everything I could about and, memberships. And then taking that and teaching people how to essentially use memberships in their health business yeah in and kind of so from from the health businesses it kind of branched out to other other businesses as well and yeah i just i just totally loved the the membership model recurring revenue in general but membership like online membership training community type model in particular and so i'd started this blog called membership sensei and my plan with that was to have a membership with that i had it all mapped out with there was going to be different karate belt be- i don't know why there was this theme because i am not somebody who <laughs> does karate knows karate i've never even seen karate kid she's but- <laughs> never seen she's never seen karate <laughs> That's kid a failure on your but part. i've got well, but, yeah, I've got to speak. Like I, I, or technically don't have because I, I lost it. But I had a black belt in karate, and yet she was, she was going karate themed without even seeing Karate Kid. Do you know <laughs> yeah. how much of an insult it is to me that I you've know, never even seen Karate Kid based on my well, life? It's, it's no, your it's not. failure. Um, it is. But yeah, so this was a membership sensei, and that was my blog, and and again, just going more and more into that membership world, and and yeah, my plan was creating a membership on memberships as part of that brand. Yeah, and just uh, you know, there's still remnants <laughs> of membership sensei and what we do the the membership plugin comparison chart that we have at the membershipguys.com/slash/plugins. The very first version of that, it was an Excel spreadsheet that you did as Membership Sensei. Um, The first... I want to say five or six blog posts. Are still on our site, yeah. Are still (laughs) on our site. Yeah, they're being tweaked, they're being updated, but they, like, Cali led the charge of memberships. I'd, you know, I've always had like some involvement with some aspect of online memberships, even kind of predating my career. I ran um, online communities um, from kind of the late 90s. Um, They were never monetized with a subscription model, but they were online memberships, online communities. A lot of clients who had memberships and subscription companies um, worked on high profile memberships like Ancestry uh, and stuff like that. But in terms of what we now will recognize as the online membership model, that that is that was Callie's baby. That was Callie's direction, um, and it was only honestly the membership guys only exists because um, I moved slower on the on my plans for the agency and consulting side, and I didn't have as much clarity on those as Callie did on hers. And so, in the meantime, 
in order to pay the bills, I would do little bits of freelance work on, you know, either people outsourcing marketing related stuff to me or outsourcing web related stuff to me. And so it's really just because I was, I, I wasn't moving as quick in my new direction as Callie was in hers that I, I was available for her to pull me in on a few of the projects she was working on. Yeah. And I remember very much, we moved up to Newcastle in 2013 yeah, And it wasn't long after we moved up to Newcastle that we started officially working together, but we'd sort of, the seeds had been planted a little bit before that with a couple of big clients that I had who needed more complex development than I could help with, with their yeah. memberships and stuff. So I remember getting you involved and kind of essentially outsourcing to you and, yeah. and kind of then both of us being involved with the clients and, and stuff. And actually it worked really well. Like yeah. we worked really well together. And I think, because both of us had had bad experiences with partnerships in before it was a for me at least until that point it wasn't even something I'd even contemplated us working together Mm. and then once we did start working together on those projects and it went well and we worked well together clients were happy and things like that I think I definitely resisted the idea of having an official partnership or business together initially because of those previous experiences and not wanting to get burned. And of course, when you live with somebody as well, there's that whole thing of like, do you even have a life or is it just a business? (laughs) Um, So I think I I was definitely quite hesitant initially about making it an official business partnership. And yeah, I was as well, because again, you know, we've both been burned from business partnerships. Um, We both had things you know that we started off in that didn't didn't ultimately go in the direction we'd we kind of wanted to even when things had gone well you know so you know when you were doing digital you started digital dog's body um the intention when you started that wasn't to veer in a membership route so you know there'd been so there'd been a lot of period of change at the same time when we moved up to newcastle i was in no man's land in terms of what I wanted to do, I remember going to a networking event and I had, I literally, I wish I still had it today because I think this epitomizes that period. It was a business card on which there were essentially four different businesses listed um, because I just couldn't pick a lane because I was still finding what I want to do. That was advantageous because it did mean that like I, I kind of I had more of an incentive to work with Callie on some of these projects. Um, but yeah, as she said, it kind of got to a point where she, we'd have conversations about the bigger picture stuff that she was doing with people and about the strategy of the client she was using. Um, and then, you know, she'd have me help or, 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 you know, take on aspects of the project on a technical side. And then it got to a point where actually, you know, it was just like, okay, let's, both be involved in this project from the the start so that you know by the time i get to a certain point i'm not having to spend loads of time cluing you up but yeah we did resist making that official not just because we've been burned but also our relationship was still relatively young and it had been tested already by that point i know that you were probably on the verge of booting me out and sending me back to newcastle at one point because you know I wasn't in the greatest of places and probably wouldn't have been very fun to be around. Um, But we were still only like a year or so in. We were living together, but the living together part happened so early on in the relationship that it it wasn't like, okay, we were together and then we took the next step after a year or so and then we were together and then this was another new step. Like this would 
it was a big thing that I think the potential of working together was a bigger thing than deciding to live together. Yeah, yeah, the decision to work together uh, yeah. to work together definitely had more discussion and more more emphasis on yeah. it than our decision to live together. And because um, also because I because so much had been changeable, there was that kind of okay, well, we don't want to lock into something and then change. One of us changed our mind after a couple of months. We had just moved back to Newcastle so we weren't you know we weren't in quite as confined a working situation as we space (laughs) yeah um but you know it's burn from past partnerships burn from different directions of business not knowing whether the relationship is is kind of at a place where throwing the 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 wrinkle in the situation of now we're business partners who also have to live together because you know you can have business partnerships while you've got an office or like so like is this too much and so should we should we just keep doing what we were doing because it was working what we were doing at that point yeah and i think when we did a first officially start business together instead i think Mm. you can tell there was that little bit of aspect of not being a hundred percent sure because we went broad with it. So at that point I had been very much focused on pretty much all of my clients with digital dogs body yeah. were memberships. Um, I had the membership sensei brand and stuff. And then, but then when we decided to set up our first company together, because it wasn't the membership guys no. back in 2013, we went broad. So we went, we do WordPress yeah, and it was focused on broad WordPress sites, web development, marketing agency. And yeah, we went from me being quite suddenly niche to then us both being much broader again, because I think it was still still kind of niche because it was, yeah, we, we, we do WordPress, we build WordPress websites and then help you market and grow them. But it was still like WordPress, but I mean, WordPress, powers 40 percent of the internet so it's not that niche yeah. um and so it was it was memberships yeah we had a membership package but it was also service. online courses it was also e-commerce it was also five page website for your local solicitors um and it was also just maintenance as well actually quite a yeah that was quite we had a, a lot of productized services yeah where it was just it was quite again, a lucrative thing revenue. yeah we would sell kind of bundles of of just five hours you buy a pack of five hours for a couple hundred bucks and we'd fix little bits and pieces for you as well so it was still it was still real broad but that pull like we started when we hit the point where we were pretty much taking on as many clients as we could and we we could be a bit more picky a bit choosier about who we worked with there was always that bias towards membership projects. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, but I think it was only like 2014. It wasn't that long when we just kind of ended up just focusing solely on yeah. memberships. It was like, let's let's stop kidding ourselves that we want to work on anything other than memberships. I think it was a little earlier than 2014 um, where, yes, we were called We Do WordPress, but we were turning away pretty much anything except from memberships and online courses. Yeah. Yeah, memberships, online courses. Yeah. And, and part of the reason for me that I loved focusing on those membership projects was because of the complexity of them, because yeah. there's so many different moving parts, so many things. And to, not, we don't mean the do. tech complexity, yeah, the strategic complexity, the logistical complexity, like how we talked before about, I mentioned about fulfillment. Fulfillment 
is something we put a huge premium on. And when you do the kind of work we do, so much of that fulfillment comes from feeling like you are using all the different tools in your arsenal. So for someone like me, and at this point, someone like Callie, who now has a whole complementary set of tech skills to pair up with my tech skills, if all we were doing was just the tech, we wouldn't be fulfilled. No. Because we know, well, we can, yeah, we can build you a great website, but if you listen to us about the marketing, if you listen to us about the member experience, if you listen to us about the high-level strategy, then that's going to be more on the website. It's going to be a business that is massively successful. And so what we were doing just enabled us to really, the complexity of a membership and the fact that it's not just build a website and then the website, you know, if if you run an accounting company, your website is one little bit of what you do because, you know, it's it's not the core of the business. The website itself isn't the business. With an online membership, the website is the business. And so if we come in, we can flex our muscles on a project like that so much more than we could on a five-page brochure website. And so we always had that bias. If there was a toss-up, didn't matter about the money, but if it was a toss-up between this client wants a, an online membership, this client just wants a, you know, a, a blog, we could only take one on because, you know, we're at capacity. We'd always go for the membership. Um, and same with online courses because there was a lot of similarities, and a lot of crossover. Um, and actually, the earliest days of the membership guys, we we call ourselves the membership guys when it, it came about. We were kind of the membership and online course guys. Yes, yeah, we we did definitely do do both courses yeah. and membership initially. I mean, if you listen to like the first episode to the podcast, I'm pretty sure like the tag, all the stuff yeah. is about you know expert advice on memberships and online courses. Like yeah. it was, a, we we grouped them in the same. Yeah, but it is that interesting thing because it was October 2014 when we decided because we were in Cyprus. Yeah, we decided to go all in on memberships, both on the agency side and with creating membership academy. It wasn't yeah. called Membership Academy at the time, but that was no, our plan. No, and no, again, that it was, was it was called Membership yeah, Academy. Yeah, but true. then, but then we only realised nine months later yeah. that we couldn't call it Membership Academy because someone else had the domain yeah. name. So it was interesting because again, a lot of that stemmed from the Membership Academy side. Was I still wanted to do the Membership Sensei Membership site that I'd still yeah. laid out before and just hadn't got around to it because the agency had become so busy. And honestly, the reason and, we didn't go, the reason we didn't call it Membership Sensei is because it was two of us. Yeah. So I, I scuppered your plans to be the yeah. membership sensei. And, and it was all very scrappy, my my membership sensei stuff. It was more just a, a passion project as opposed yeah. to kind of ever designed to be the business. And then, yeah, so that was October 2014. And we made that decision to just go, okay, so the agency becomes completely focused on memberships. Yeah, but we're going to be a rebrand of the agency. Yeah. I designed an, a whole new website for the new agency that was designed at poolside yeah, um, in Cyprus, Cyprus while we were both while we were both suffering from cold do you yeah, remember yeah. we both got we had sick such bad colds. yeah so um, i'm designing this new website and that within the design of that was the first job. place we ever put anything relating to membership academy yeah. um and yeah i was almost a placeholder name yeah um which well. represented it kind of represents where in our mind Membership Academy would ultimately 
sit within our business? Because at the time, we still had the plan of, okay, you know, we essentially now are an agency that exclusively work on memberships. So how about we stop pretending? How about we rebrand, we redo the website, we rethink our product offering to just focus on memberships. And actually what we can also do one of the things we'll have alongside the agency is we'll have our own membership about memberships because it's an obvious thing to do. Yeah, it kind of allows you to eat your own dog food and also to help those people that couldn't afford our agency services as yeah. well. Because at that point, you know, we were charging a premium. We weren't cheap. We, yeah. And, and because it wasn't just development, it was the strategy. It was the ongoing support. We had clients that we'd been working with for, for a couple of years helping on the monthly strategy support, marketing engagement, all of that good stuff. So we were giving a lot. And so, yeah, the Academy initially was that kind of just going to be an aspect of what we did. Yeah. And then, yeah, I think we both, yeah, A, it took off quicker than we expected. And and B, I think we both just quickly realized this is what we love doing. This is, we enjoy this more. Yeah. And it took us, you know, it took us a good eight, nine months from deciding, okay, we're going to, Pivot the agency, which we did, um, to even starting the academy. So it's not, you know, we didn't come, we didn't overnight suddenly, okay, now the agency just does memberships and here's membership academy because the academy wasn't the priority. The priority was the agency. We were servicing the clients that we had, um, we, we had got the point where we had the luxury of, of just working very intimately with a small select group of awesome clients who we loved working with where we're getting them insane results and so there was never the intention for the academy to take over it was always just going to be one aspect of of what we did um and so the membership guys brand only came about it came about in the june of the following year june 2015 and then the academy i don't even remember why we why we did that for the podcast was it for so the podcast originally the membership guys was the podcast and we renamed my membership sensei blog yeah the membership guys and so, we named, so literally our facebook page the membership guys used to be the membership sensei facebook yeah. page and if you go back far enough you you can still see but that it is the thing um, of like yeah i think it was because we were putting the blogs and stuff on the the agency website but obviously you know, they, they get a little bit buried there. So we just wanted that. First, it was just the name for the podcast. And then we wanted just that place where we could be, where we could just make it 100% a blog instead of just the blog section of our agency yeah. website. And because again, this is, this is keeping in mind, okay, we need, we need this name for the, for the both of us. Cause it couldn't just be, Hey, I'm Mike Morrison. I'm a membership expert. Here's, you know, the ways you can work with me. I am Callie Willows. I'm the membership sensei. Here's the products I offer. You know, we had, we were trying to get that personal brand, but with two of us. So we needed that identifier for the, for the two of us. And so the membership guys is just a place to put all this stuff and to to develop that personal brand. And then from there, we'd be able to sell the agency. We'd be able to sell the academy. We'd be able to sell events that we did and they'd all be kind of separate things. Um, and so, yeah, we the membership guys brand kind of went live in the June 2015 uh, membership or member site academy, as we'd had to rename it to, um, opened its doors at the end of August. And yeah, you know, we it was it was always meant to complement what we were doing in the in the agency. But I think by the time Christmas came around, we knew that everything had changed. Yeah, I think. 
we both quickly realized that was what we wanted to go all in on. And I think my only concern with that was because we did both have a history of doing different businesses, trying different things, whether it would be something else where let's be frank, we'd get bored Mm. And 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 want something although, new. Although although uh, none of actually, none, of, none what, of our changes were because of none of bored. the things the ups and downs were never through boredom. Yeah, they were never through boredom. It was always like it. It was always to course correct from something yeah. that had kind of gone wrong. But yeah, I think that was my only concern. Was you know if we go all in on this and then in a year's time we want to do something else. But actually, I think it kind of says it all that the academy is turning six soon. Yeah, I'm not bored. I love no. it. I, I I love it. I still love turning up every day. I still love creating content. I love our members and watching their progress. This is genuinely and what we were supposed to do. Yeah, it's the fact it's that that thing of yeah, this yeah. Is, this is what I want to do forever. It's what we're meant to do. My first forays into the online world were with communities. It was online communities. It was bulletin boards. It was forums. It was, you know, Callie, even through, you know, she's she's in an industry that's just got nothing to do with memberships, but the thing that sets her heart alight is as soon as the subscription and membership stuff comes into it. Like, it's it's what we were meant to do. Yeah. And my start as well was uh, X-Files fan, fan fiction sites. Yay! X-Files communities, because that's the kind of geek I was. Mine was a wrestling video game community, was my first one. I'm not sure which of us gets the... I think X-Files is a little more socially acceptable yeah, than, maybe. than pro wrestling. But, um, oh, X-Files Wrestling Crossover. There's got to be some potential in that. in that. There's got to be. We need to set up a geek membership. Uh, just, this, just but the thing is, like... thing is, though, back in those days, being a geek was more of a fringe thing. True, yeah. These days, you know, geeks, geekdom, yeah. the geeks took over the world. But so, anyway. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, you know, again, we said we weren't expecting things to go the way that they went with the Academy essentially becoming the thing, the main thing that we do. But considering where we'd where we'd come from considering um you know the place i was in mentally where callie was in physically and you know that's not to say callie and me mentally as well yeah because there was I it was basically <laughs> yeah it was basically like uh, yeah yours was mostly physical but you know there was there was still some mental stuff behind and same with me the the mental stuff was taking its toll physically and the place we were in then to where not even where we are now but where we were like just two years even just even even five years ago like to the the night and day change in feeling like we found the thing we're meant to do in feeling fulfilled in everything that we do in getting to work with the kind of people that we do, like with people who are so passionate about their their thing they've got the skill in, the hobby, the thing they've got the expertise and experience in. They're so passionate about it that they're starting a membership. Like people with that level of passion, that level of of enthusiasm for for the thing they get to do day to day, it just, it rubs off on us and it's fuel for us. And so, yeah, yeah, we, we love helping people and we'd love to say this is all altruistic, but honestly, this is, it's, it's been the best possible remedy for, for, for us as well. You know, we get as much out of this, not talking about money. We've been blessed to be successful beyond 
I don't know, beyond our wildest dreams, but beyond what we ever ago, expected. If you'd have told, yeah. told us sitting in that double garage where we would be yeah. now in terms of finances and stuff Ten like that. Ten years ago, sitting, a- sitting in a, it, it was a converted garage, it was a cardboard box, sitting in sitting in giant box with wafer-thin walls that don't even connect to the floor, like squeezing into this tiny bed. Remember when we bought we bought new sofas and we made, <laughs> yeah. we made the mistake of not measuring up because we assumed like, like, normal rooms will fit in normal size sofas and then we got there and basically yeah. had to stack them on top of each other because yeah, they jump over them yeah to them. like it was fun like that time was fun in a quaint kind of you know making making do getting on with things kind of way but also from from there to where we are now so absolutely we get a lot of this financially we've enjoyed a great deal of success and i think either of us thought even possible and we're very blessed for that but honestly the thing we get out of this most um goes beyond the money side goes beyond the business side it's it's the fact that we know that we're never going to be in a place where we have to run ourselves ragged physically where you know we're dig ourselves into a cloud of depression where we burn ourselves out that i mean you you don't put a price on that um that's what we get out of it the fulfillment the freedom the just the calm and the ease that we have in our lives now and that isn't just because we've had thousands of members and make you know seven figure business this kicked in early yeah yeah definitely even before we were kind of necessarily seeing the the financial results now it was that just immediately just the change in lifestyle the change in stress levels the change in fulfillment yeah fulfillment and enjoying and and being able to focus on the things that really light us up and and wag our tail as opposed to kind of even even with the the best clients in the world, when you're running an agency and stuff, there's still a certain extent where you're doing things for other people because yeah. they need them as opposed to because it's something that lights you up. And yeah. I think now we get to focus on, yeah, what lights us up, what wags our tail and help amazing people in the process. Like I'm so proud of everything our members have achieved and seeing their wins and their progress, that just makes everything so worthwhile. Yeah. And so it's, you know, it's, it's, it's cathartic. It's almost refreshing because we don't have this conversation a lot. We never talk, we've never talked about this publicly. Again, we've got the cliff notes on the business side. We've never talked about, you know, struggles with depression and burnout and health issues um, because we, we don't want to be seen to be exploiting it. Um, you'll never see us putting out ads saying, you know, Hey, I went from burnout to, to success. You can too. We just don't play like that. We don't market like that. Um, but it is, it's cathartic to, to, to kind of remember how far things have come, how much things have changed and to reflect on the, the danger we were in. Yeah. Like physically and mentally, that like weekly blood transfusion it wasn't quite weekly. It wasn't quite yeah. weekly, but it was near enough. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like that's that's not that's not just oh, I'm a little worn out. That's your body is breaking. Yeah, I mean, for context for that, I 
Yeah, yeah, but like, it, yeah. It's not, not yeah, going but to it was much, you know yeah. that was like phys- that physical warning signs were being ignored, mental warning signs were being ignored, like we were spiraling and spiraling, um, and so the fact that we were able to come back, dig out of that, find direction, find purpose, and really, really um, land on on the thing that you know. I'm not, I'm not particularly hippy dippy. I'm not particularly, you know, we're, we've all got this set purpose in life, but as, as if I'm ever going to believe in stuff like that, the belief of this is what we're meant to do is absolutely resolute when it comes to what we're doing now. We were meant to help people the way we're helping people because in doing that, we've been able to, to help ourselves and get in a place where I barely even recognize who we were during that period. Yeah. Like that, do, that seems like, a lifetime ago yeah it um, really does it really really does and so being able to share this with you um it's been like i said it's been a little cathartic for us um it's a little emotional for us thinking back to that time because you know we make we joke about it now of like we basically lived in a hobbit hole and you know oh man wasn't that terrible when you when you would you know grinding out those 20 hour days or god can you remember how many how how run ragged you were but we never really scrape beneath the surface of that and this is probably the first time we've done that in a long long time um but hopefully as well if any of you are in a similar place or of just kind of starting to move out of it, but you have some of those concerns we'd had. Because even as even as we were kind of getting out with the worst of it, the the hangover, the residual effect of some of that stuff um, made us hesitant in some aspects when we were going to move forward. And we had to kind of fight beyond that. So if you're in a place where, you know, you're thinking, I want to do this, but I don't want to be in this situation. I don't want to fail I I don't want people to think badly of me if I make this change and all that sort of stuff. Then I do hope that some part of our journey, some part of our origin story has given you um, a bit of inspiration, a bit of reassurance um, and, and kind of reminded you that sometimes you can look at people like us, you can look at other people in the online business space and think we have it all figured out and think it's been easy and worry or wonder why you're struggling or why you're not there yet sometimes you can do that without realizing that you know this stuff doesn't happen overnight having a a bumpy road a rocky road um to 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 ultimately reach success it's it's not uncommon i would say it's probably more common than than most people just you know having it all figured out and become successful with without any bumps in the road. So hopefully some of this has been useful. Hopefully it's been interesting. Hopefully it's satisfied a little curiosity. Um, I figure this was a good way to mark the 300th anniversary of the podcast, not just because it is the 300th episode, but because it also kind of coincides with our 10-year anniversary together. And it's not too long before the sixth anniversary of the Academy and the sixth anniversary of the Membership Guys blog. So, yeah. the Seems un- it's It's kind of fitting mainly. It's not so much fitting because, like, the number 300 is important or whatever. It's It's... We could have done this for the 200th. We could have done this for the fifth anniversary of the Academy. 
but it just kind of almost feels like we've never really talked about this before. Like I'd never talk about um, struggles with depression. I've always felt we've. It's funny we've all, we've had this conversation a couple of times over the year. Over the years, some of the things that have happened in in our lives respectively. There's been times where we felt almost a responsibility to talk about certain yeah. things, but but have chosen not to for our own personal reasons. And there's some things that neither of us will ever like discuss publicly just because um again, we're English. You keep yourself to yourself. Um, but you know, I know certainly myself personally, um, struggles with depression is always something I kind of feel like I should talk about a little more because I know that other people uh, kind of need to sometimes hear it and uh it almost feels like because i've got a platform i should talk about it maybe i will i've kind of got a little a little itch to maybe talk a little more about it this year mental health week but who knows but anyway the, the point being um we've not talked about this before yeah. this is and, the and yeah i untold think it is, story. is something where it is part of what what makes us who we are because again you know for me when we talk about essentially the academy feeling like, okay, this is it. This is what we're meant to do. And when I look at my journey to that, I felt like that way when I first went into my health business, because my health business came about of the fact that, you know, when I was 15, I was diagnosed terminally ill. And then obviously I'm about to turn 37. So <laughs> they got it wrong. Yeah, That wasn't the case. And a large part of that was down to kind of natural health treatment and things like that. And and so that's how I ended up with my health business. And so I felt like that was meant to be because, you know, this is what had helped me. And so therefore I was going to help other people with that. And then the fact that that was the, what then led me to memberships. Yeah. And then actually that being the thing that actually is, is what lights me up and is what I feel like I'm there to, to do and help people with. It kind of feels kind of kismet that, you know, that process that I went through of, you know, this is what I'm this is why this has all happened yeah. and, and to get me to where I am now in a, in a way that is actually healthier for me yeah. and that helps more people than I ever could have just with doing the health practice. Yeah. And had, had, you know, certain things not happened along the road, then we would have gone in totally different directions. Yeah. We might never have even met. We might never have met had my business partnership with Bob, um, gone the way that we'd hoped it would go. We would never really had yeah. calls to work together. Yeah. And the completely arbitrary decision I made to to move to Somerset because yeah. that was just suddenly December, 2010. I, I just needed to completely burn everything <laughs> um, to the ground, picked Somerset, moved there January 5th and, uh, you know, didn't know anyone apart from people I'd met online from the business networking, don't have any family or anything like that. So that was just a complete, absolute 2011. That was like was, a stick a pin in the map, yeah, 20, wasn't it? 2011, January 2011 was just a complete fresh start for me on, on all counts. And yeah, so I find it, it is that thing where it kind of feels meant to be that that was the case yeah. and that then I met you and, and then yeah. you've ended up here. And a lot of the ups and downs and, and the burnouts, the mental, the physical stuff informs why we do what we do. And I think, as I said at the beginning, why we do things the way that we do. And you why know, we don't do certain And why things. we don't do certain things. Why you'll never see us market in a, in a way that's manipulative. Why you'll never see us... Um, kind of selling the dream of memberships because 
we've been in positions where, you know, with business partnerships, where we bought into this unrealistic vision that actually was damaging to us. And so it informs, like Kelly said, things that we don't do. It informs our, our motivation for doing things. You know, central to everything we do is, and our definition of success is the belief that success comes from living a life of your own design. And hopefully when you listen to our our origin story, you can understand why that's the case because there's been a lot of periods where, you know, it's kind of, we've, we've been moved in directions that almost, they, they're not necessarily in line with how, what we want to do. We've been, yeah. you know, driven by bad business partnerships. We've been um, influenced by a concern about what people within our business network might think if we went in one direction or changed the business model or made this sort of decision. And so for us, that success comes from a life of your, living a life of your own design and that your business should be part of that. Memberships for us, they deliver, yes, the financial side, but the freedom the flexibility and the fulfillment is those three F's that are just, that's what's central to, to why we do what we do. That's what we want other people to help other people to, to get some people, those boxes get checked just by making a shed load of money for other people. They get met by not having to work so hard or not having to think about work in the evening while they're playing with their kids or not having to go to five business networking meetings a week just to keep the lights in your tiny little shoebox flat. Or simply on, just by knowing that you're helping. People. Yeah, or just knowing that you're doing your best work. So that is our untold, well now fully told, origin story um hopefully you've got something out of this i know we have just from talking about this um i'd love to hear if um you know you've been in a similar place if this episode has helped if you if you're sitting there kind of nodding and chuckling thinking yeah that's literally exactly what happened to me um I'd love to hear your story too. So hit us up on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Membership Guys. If you're on Instagram, I'm at Membership Guy, singular, because Callie does her own thing on the gram. She's at... Callie Willows. At Callie Willows. Um, or if you're in our free Facebook group, um, let us know what you thought of today's special episode. If you're not in the group, search for Membership Mastermind on Facebook or type talkmemberships.com. That's talkmemberships.com. Into your browser, that will redirect you to the group order magically, and you can join us in there. And of course, if you're part of the Membership Academy community, there's no doubt we're going to be chewing the fat on this one in there too. So... Um, yeah, we'd love to hear any thoughts, any feedback, any part of our story that um, you you familiarise with, your associate with um, your own journey. Uh, we'd love to hear your origin stories. That is it for episode 300. Thank you so much to Callie for um, joining me to tell our story. The episodes where you come on are always our most popular, which I'll try not to take personally. I can't help it if I've got fans. <laughs> She's got the Cali, the Cali fans. They're going to be turning up with membership <laughs> sensei um, s signs and stuff like that. I'm just going to be out on my own. No, <laughs> I need to come up with a funky name. Um, so yeah, thanks. Thanks for coming on the show. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. That is it. Thank you for your support 
well, throughout everything, but throughout the past 300 episodes of the membership, guys, I feel every time we hit a milestone, I just feel this this urge to just gush about how much we love and appreciate each and every one of you, whether you have listened to all 300 of these episodes or whether you've literally only just listened to this one. Um, we couldn't do what we could, what we do without you. And having listened to today's episode, you know just how important it is for us to be able to do what we do, how much we love it. And the part you play in enabling us to uh, be the membership guys. Thank you so much. That is it. We are out of here. I'll be back again next week with another episode of the membership guys podcast. Take care guys.